When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Man City Show. It's Nigel Rothman back in the chair, and I've got three guests with me. We've got Rob Barron, CTID. Hi. We've got Lisa Rabinowitz. Hi. And we've got Lee Warner. Hello. And we're going to kick off with a loss and two draws in our last three games. Is that a crisis or just a blip? Lee Warner, welcome back to the show. Hi, good to be here. Been a while. It has. Good to see you. Yeah. So a blip or a crisis? Uh, certainly not a crisis. Um... Yeah, I'd, I'd go more towards a blip. I think it's sort of similar to last season in many ways. We started really fast. Uh, everyone was very excited. Obviously, the um, you know Pep coming in and making a lot of sweeping changes and everyone feeling really excited about the squad. And then us kind of remembering that we do have a lot of frailties still in the, in the squad, particularly in defence. Um, you know, we've got four fullbacks who we've been relying on for about the past four or five seasons. Um, so I think we were kind of paved over those inconsistencies in the squad early early doors early, first few weeks when everyone was very excited and obviously the big game at Old Trafford but I think we need to remember that it's a working progress and it's not something that, that gets sorted out over one summer of transfer activity and I'd, I'd, but again it's nothing in terms of a crisis it's nothing to worry about um, you know we played well on on Saturday, I thought generally, if not for two penalty misses and a few other chances, then you know it would have been a comfortable win, and we would be saying, you know, we're back on track. But we're not, and that's the issue. You know, we're not back on track, Rob. You know, ten wins straight straight out the traps, and suddenly there's a crisis at the Etihad. No, there's not a crisis at all. And fifty years ago, if we'd have uh, said there's a crisis when we were top of the league, uh, everyone would have laughed. Um, this is a, it's not a blip, it's not a crisis, it's a reflection of where the team is. Hugely improved on last season, but still with frailties because Pep is a great manager, but he's not a magician. 
well, we thought he was. Ten, ten straight wins. We were sitting around this table with these microphones, Lisa, saying, this is it. We're, we're, it. we're, you know, we're going to win the Champions League. We're going to win all four trophies. You know, we're, we're back. Is that the rule, we? <laughs> 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 I, I, I think it's neither a blip nor a crisis. I think it's to be, it was to be expected. I think the first few matches we probably were playing opposition that were easier to get the results against. And I, I think, I agree with both Rob and Lee. It's just that it's a work in progress. There's a lot still to be done. It's great that we started the way we did, but I was expecting us to start a lot worse. So I think where we are now is really not a problem at all, as long as we continue to improve and, and learn from things. I think the only slight disappointment for me was that we didn't seem to have learned very much from what happened at Celtic when we played Spurs. But that that is about it. At the moment, I'm... I mean, even me, the most depressed person that's ever been on this podcast, um, sure. I'm quite optimistic <laughs> about things. I really don't think it's. But a you big make, I think crisis. you make a really important point because we said, and even Pep himself said, it's really important how we now bounce back, mm-hmm. and we bounce back with 70% possession, but only one point, at a, you know, home game against Everton, who weren't, let's be honest, exactly tipped for for top four, were they? Well, look what. Kuman said after the game. Yeah, but he's, he's, ma- ve- he's in bed with Pep, isn't he? He's their best mates. So he's he's asleep together. He's certainly not in bed with Pep. They used to be. Uh, but the point is that uh, someone like that is not going to say it's the best team he's played against without uh, good reason. And people weren't saying that last season. And this is still only a half developed team uh, with some very exciting players to come. I think there's a tendency amongst City fans to fall into a very kind of black and white trap of you're either on one side where you're just saying, oh, we're just happy to be here considering that we've, you know, we've never had the success before and one loss doesn't matter. But then you've got the other side where, I mean, I was at Celtic and there were fans around me who were actually swearing at the players in the game because of the performance, which is just embarrassing to begin with. But there are fans who, you know, one loss and it's crisis, you know, panic stations and it's Pep's a fraud and he can't can't do it, at, you know, a team that isn't fully made, and you've just got these two sides, and it's somewhere in between. It's it's just you know. Uh, but there's a bit of me, and of course, you know, you all know very well the role that I play here with this microphone, uh, and I'm doing it again today. But when you have over seventy percent possession and you can't win a game against Everton, that, there's a, there's a certain amount of frustration allowed, isn't there, amongst City fans? Surely. Yeah. Well, if if City. Uh, knew how to take penalties, then that wouldn't be a problem. But that is uh, a challenge which now has to be overcome, and it may not be overcome by Aguero. Uh, so you're, you're in the camp that Aguero's missed one midweek for his country, has missed a couple for City, therefore he should be rel- relinquished of his penalty-taking no, responsibilities. Don't put words into my mouth. I didn't say that at all. <laughs> what I said, or what I implied, was that Aguero has missed quite a lot of penalties uh, in, in recent months, and great player as he is, it it may be better if he doesn't take them for a bit. That's what I said, uh, Lisa. So we get a penalty uh, against Barcelona midweek, uh, and so Kevin can't take one because he can't take him. Couldn't can't either. So we've got to have a find another. Maybe maybe Bravo. He's pretty good with his feet. He could come step up and take a pen. Bring Kolarov on to take it. Of course. Um, perfect, perfect answer. Um, I don't know. Silva, Fernandinho. I think someone you, surely can take a penalty. I think you've got you've got to just trust whoever's taking them in training, even if they're missing them, even if Aguero's still missing them, he's still one of our best players and I don't think there's any person in the club 
who would turn around in training and go, sorry, mate, you're not having the next one because you've missed quite a few recently. So I, I think the debate around penalties and all that, it's a bit of a futile one. At the end of the day, they've missed two penalties. They're all brilliant players. They can all take penalties. That's a fact. So they just need to get it right next time, really. Um, I think the, the performance... You know, you can put the down to the two penalties, but as well, I think we didn't we didn't um, carve them open as well as we would have hoped. Especially first half an hour, we had some really nice moves, and we just didn't produce mm. anything off the end of it. Um, we kind of really relied on a few long range efforts, fabulous saves from the keeper. Um, so we did have other. It wasn't just the two penalties. Yeah, yeah I think there was a, there was an awful lot of possession, but not so many clear cut chances. It, mm. And. And again, like last season, that would have really, really bothered me. But this season, I'm just well. That's the, the next step is to turn it into that. And I, I know that Everton weren't necessarily thought of as much before the beginning of the season, but they've started reasonably well, and they did defend very well. They, they didn't come necessarily to do anything other than try and stop us from doing what we have been doing to lesser teams. So I don't think they necessarily got the credit. I mean, certainly the keeper got huge credit, and quite rightly so. It wasn't just the two penalty saves. Uh, it was also a number of, the particular. I think the one from De Bruyne in particular I thought yeah, was absolutely world class. So he, he made a wonderful save from Aguero after he'd missed the second penalty, which any reasonable goalkeeper would not have saved. Yeah, I also think personally their goal was was quite poor def- poorly defended on our and I think you know from from the moment it broke to the point where Clichy let him I mean he's a big he's a big guy Lukaku and he's not an easy player to defend against but he's running at him one-on-one in a defensive position he, he's just got past him too easily um, but, but somebody made the point earlier and I think we all know this that Pep can't change the squad in one transfer window we, we know that we understand that but that being said we've got four fullbacks all over the age of 30 yeah. and it's a problem and, and sitting there watching the game and I said to my mate next to me that, that you know, if we don't score here you know we we're in danger of just going one down on the break and it's exactly what happens and we always feel vulnerable don't we, we don't feel that safe and all good teams are built with fantastic defenses and we're, we're not there yet are we with our defense at all by, by 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 quite a margin no it's it is still quite worrying but again compared to, the difference now compared to last season is that generally speaking we are able to score or at least create enough chances so that we will score goals whereas the the difference last season was that what that wasn't even happening and that's when your bad defense is a real is a huge problem. I, I don't, I'm, I'm assuming that we will take some of the youngsters with us to Barcelona um, because we need we need backup in, in certainly in the fullback areas. And but it has been a concern for a couple of transfer windows, several transfer windows. So I'm just hoping that they have a, pl- a plan that is actually going to bring someone new in. That that goal was very interesting because it seemed looking back at it to have come from the fact that City played three at the back and there wasn't cover it also came from the fact that Clichy was desperately slow mm. and indecisive when it came to the crunch uh, and I think it was Stones who missed the tackle uh, which, which put him into that situation but what I've been reading is that uh, Guardiola played three at the back to rehearse for Wednesday and that company might, might uh, make a 
make a comeback, which is very interesting. Let's hope he doesn't play him for 90 minutes if he's not fit again, of course. Mm. You, any thoughts on the... Obviously, w- when we heard back th- uh, playing us of a back three, it was, I think it surprised most people. I hadn't seen anybody particularly predict that. Um, so I was certainly surprised when I saw... I, I thought, first of all, maybe he'd play Fernandinho as a full-back if he was going to play four at the back. But, of course, in the end, he, he played as always just in front of the back three. W- were you surprised to see that back three? I was surprised, but, I, you know, I think we were all surprised on the opening day by the way we played in, in terms of formation and the movements of the players. So it, it's surprising, but... It's refreshing in the same way because it shows that we can mix it up, and he's got different game plans for different matches compared to the past few seasons under Pellegrini, which you know we've kind of been able to predict this, the team weeks in advance. So, um, yeah, slightly surprised. Um, it, I think if th- if that is true about uh, the rehearsal of Wednesday, that's interesting, especially with company coming back. But he's another issue as well with the defence because realistically, is he ever going to get a, a run of games? It doesn't. It doesn't seem likely. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he, you know, is looking at retirement soon if, if he can't get a run of games because no one's going to be able to afford him and we'll probably end up getting rid of him. So um, I, I'd like to, yeah, I'd like to hope he, he gets his fitness back and plays this week. Um, but so we'll have to wait and see. Something that I found encouraging uh, at the weekend was actually uh, Bravo playing it to feet. I think there have been occasions this season where we've all panicked and thought this, we're just not good enough. We don't have enough skill in our back four to be able to, other than stones maybe. But actually there were a number of situations where Bravo played it to feet and it ended up with us for making actually quite a good, uh, almost made an attacking situation from it. So, so I, for some reason I just, it just felt more comfortable this week. Does, I, is, that, is that right? I love it, to be honest. I think it's, this, it's a sort of situation where... Like guaranteed, every single game we play, there are going to be at least two moments where your heart's going to go for a second, <laughs> and you're going to be like, mm, "Not sure about that one," but it should come off. It should mainly, mostly come off. Obviously, the first few games, he was working his way into it. You know, you're throwing him into a derby away at Old Trafford, that was always going to be difficult. Um, but I just don't think people are used to seeing it happen so regularly. But if you want to watch videos of him, like it's not this isn't something he's he's just started doing. Like he's done it his whole career. It's the way he plays. He, the, the the perfect ball for him is when the strikers go towards him, the fullbacks are isolated, and then a Gundogan or a Fernandini just slips into the centre and picks up the ball. That's that's the player that he wants to hit every time. And if we keep doing that, that opens up so many options because then we can turn and get it out wide and we hit them on the counter-attack. And it's just, it's nice to be a bit braver in those situations. I'm not saying Joe Hart maybe couldn't have sort of got to that point over time, but... It's, it's it's exciting. I like it. I'm not sure if it's my imagination, but I think more Premier League teams are actually playing that style of football. And have I just imagined that, or am I seeing more goalkeepers actually playing the ball to feet outside their areas? Yeah, I, I agree. I thought I noticed that more when I was watching the highlights. You like it? You you enjoy the, uh, the, the the In theory, I like it, except uh, <laughs> except when it goes wrong, and and it does tend to go wrong a couple of times every game. But I'm prepared. Uh, to tolerate that because it's a fundamental change in approach and I think it's beneficial to the team. Do you think teams have sort of worked us out, Lisa? Because we've got a situation here where we've got Spurs who pressed us and beat us and Everton who sat back and we didn't lose to us. Are our teams starting to suss us out? Is that is that a problem? I, I don't think it's a problem because they may have sussed us out to the extent that that's the way we've started playing, but we've not got to the end product yet, so what have they sussed out? Not that much yet. They just worked out how to deal with us in the early stages of our development, so to speak. And like, the, the whole thing with the keeper playing, I mean, I was at Spurs and the abuse that Bravo was getting. Just kick it. Don't care what he tells you to do. <laughs> like, people are good. It's just going to take people a lot of getting used to. And as soon as 
everyone loses their nerves about that, then people working us out, it won't be as that simple. It's not just going to be one thing to have worked out. I think at the moment we're not as... There aren't as many dimensions to what we're doing as there will be by the time Pep has finished with what he needs to do. So. I, th- I think... Go on, yeah. Sorry, I heard Pep speak very eloquently at his press conference yesterday and he was asked this question, do you think that teams have sussed City out? And... You know, he's so refreshing and interesting. And he said that all through his career, he's had that question. Uh, And the answer is no. Uh, You know, uh, because he constantly changes and thinks about tactically what he's doing and and varies it. So I I accept that. And I think that we're seeing City stuttering a little bit. But but when when they come on form, then uh, a team is going to take a hiding. Yeah, I would have seen it from the other side in the sense that maybe we took our, our uh, foot off the gas a little bit or, or eye off the ball, you know, Celtic underestimated the opposition, Spurs, maybe we didn't anticipate them, you know, playing that sort of way. I think it's more maybe what other teams are doing, or sorry, not other teams are doing, what, the fact that we got very comfortable in, in a really strong start to the season. Um, maybe we just thought it was going to go on forever. It, it doesn't happen. It's a long, hard season with four competitions. Um, it takes time. So, sort of positives from uh, we, we've talked a little bit about defensively we we missed our penalties defensively we weren't great um maybe teams are sussed out or maybe not from what you said so if, give me some sort of positives then from from the game uh, against uh, against everton I, I guess david silver is probably the first person to pick out you know who's had a bit of a renaissance under pep after a, a pretty disappointing season last season looking at his standards yeah, he's, he's been he's been great so far. Um, I think he just he's just that sort of player that Pep probably could have slotted into the Barcelona team years ago if he, if he'd signed him. Uh, he just suits the player really nicely. And also, I like the fact that we're not relying on Silva as much to be the the, the lock picker. Um, De Bruyne has been fantastic, obviously, um, but we've got other players doing nice bits. You know, I think Gundogan's fantastic. Um, I think he's only going to get better with time. Um, and aside from Silva, I think kind of a few the, the wide players. Particularly, I think uh, Sané looked really nice, really good. He looks a bit lethargic at times. Kind of when he gets the ball, he, he slows to a bit of a walking pace. But then he's clearly he's got pace. So when he gives it and then he makes nice runs, I, th- I thought that was really nice to see. Um, so hopefully he'll he'll sort of get better with time as well. Yeah, I thought Sané played very well. But I think the the other side to that is that I think Sterling didn't look as good on on the left, which I think we all know anyway. But that's the way it's going to be. But he still played, like, he, he still contributed, but Sané stood out. Um, but I think he was the right, it was the right thing to take him off when he, when he did, because he does look maybe not ready for 90 minutes yet in the Premier League, at least. There's so many positives from the game. Well, here's you know. your moment, Rob well, Barron. Thank you very much. Fill your boots, I mean, mate. First Fill your of boots. all, uh, De Bruyne was playing. Uh, he didn't have to wait until the Barcelona game. He, so he got in uh, a full game. He played very well. Uh, he was unlucky not to score. Uh, Sane is still not fit, but he's beginning to make the grade, and so he's a great prospect uh, for the coming weeks. Gundogan is getting better all the time. Uh, and uh, we've still got this chap from Brazil to come in January. Uh, Jesus Gabriel. I mean, it's so exciting. Can I throw another one, my own then, having asked all the questions? I mean, Nolito, who doesn't look like a, a natural athlete to me yeah. at all. 
you know, you've got others. You've got someone like Mangala, who's a wonderful athlete, but, but, but a poor footballer. But you've got Nolito, who looks so, as I say, he's not a natural athlete, but he took that had He had still had quite a bit of work to do with that header. It, it reminded me of the John Mackin header in the 4-3 at Spurs when we were 3-0 down. You know, he yeah. sort of leant back and, and he took it brilliantly. First touch of the ball, he looks, he looks a decent player, doesn't he, Nolito? Yeah, I, I think he is. And he's, he's, he has made, I think he's made a difference. In he was the player, one player that came in probably to the least fanfare. No one was expecting that much from him. And yet, I think he, he's given us balance when he's played with Sterling. And I, I, I think he's been a really good signer. He's an upgrade on Navas, isn't he? Yeah, I think that's... And uh, that, that is very important. And as he said uh, this week, he's given up cake and chocolate, and that makes a hell of a difference. What Nolito has. Yeah. It was his birthday, so he had no birthday. It was actually his birthday on Saturday. He'd the, got no cake. The rigours of being a professional footballer meant he couldn't have it. T- talking about, I just want to throw something else on the table, which is not necessarily related, but it just reminds me. Been a little bit of press about uh, Pep's insistence that the Wi-Fi has been switched off. You know, people who were having treatment were on on their phones and not focusing, and just just listen, we, we, we don't really understand it. We're just fans, as we know. I'm just interested in your thoughts and what your mates are saying about it. Is this a positive move? Is this, is this a negative move? How do, how do you interpret that as, as Pep? Is that him putting his foot down and saying, you're going to do it my way? or is it? What, what I, think do you think? It's, I think it's brilliant. I reckon the, the players are so behind him and what he's trying to do with the club. I don't think it would ever be a thing that they would have an issue with. It's, it's kind of back to the old school days of players actually interacting with each other. You know, back in the, the 90s, you, know, you look at kind of the great United side, I don't like to speak about them, but um, they were all they're all best mates and their families were best mates and they probably had lunch together every single day and they knew their kids' names and things like that and and modern day players, modern day squads, because they're so you know they're interchanging. You know, players come and go. Uh, they speak multiple languages. The, there is a bit of a breakdown of communication, and that can have a, a, a bit of an effect on the pitch, I think. And so to take that element away, which is so massive in today's sort of uh, game, you know, social media, you know, players, you know, just just had training, putting a picture up on Instagram and all that stuff. Just to take that element away and bring it back to the core group. And getting them tighter as a group, that'll be, I think, genuinely could be so important. It could get us in a few extra points. I think it's fabulous. It's leadership, real leadership, which which uh, his predecessor didn't show. And we've seen it in lots of ways. We're seeing it in Guardiola insisting that uh, the players acknowledge the crowd at the end, end, end of... Uh, a game. He's also saying you don't have to sleep at the ground be- the night before, which goes contrary to the point that you're making. But when you are there, you give it a hundred percent. And I think that is absolutely right. And I think everybody knows that it's building a uh, a hole. Is it, are we not losing the fun of it though? I mean, you think of old uh, was it Chappers who was the kit man, and then sort of got this job on sort of the, on the website and, and doing the Twitter, and suddenly he's found himself struggling to get in there because he's not allowed to do stuff with the player. Is that, is that right? Is that taking the fun away from it? And don't we all enjoy that with social media? We want to get involved and understand who these people are, their personalities and so I on. I think they'll find that from different avenues and channels. And I, I think this, the way Pep's going about this is far more important than any, any of that. At the end of the day, it, it's a job that they're being very well paid to do. And a lot of people can't use the internet at work or whatever. And it's just <laughs> silly things. But it... And, and, I, and I think that the other really important point about this is not only is he showing leadership and, and laying down the law a bit, 
but if you're not if you're not interested and you don't want to take part in it then you know where the door is yeah. and i think that that is really important and the, and and to go with that is the the whole thing with toro and his agent has to yeah. apologize before he can train and it's it, it's about time someone took control he's the manager of the team and if he can't put these things into place then he may as well not be there i think just back to your point i think there's i think there's a fundamental difference between kind of it's not just about social media and all that because the club are fantastic at that you actually see what they do every day is brilliant and the access they give you but it coming from the official club source is one thing but then coming from the players and the players just spending all their time thinking about that and not thinking about kind of the wider picture is, is a different thing and and, and you've got to think as well, like, I, I don't think Pep is going to be our manager for m- more than four or five years, realistically, uh, three to four years, maybe at best. Um, so he, it's great that he's putting down these foundations and hopefully they're going to stick with the club and it'll become something that's almost part and parcel of the club. When you sign for Manchester City, you know that this is the way it is, not just it's a Pep Guardiola thing and it goes when, we get, when he eventually leaves. Well, having started with crises and blips at the start, we're playing Barcelona. We are playing Barcelona in the Champions League, eh? And that's, that's going to be exciting, isn't it? Isn't that sort of the most exciting thing to even talk about? So, so let, let's spend a bit of time talking about that, Lisa. We're playing Barcelona in the Champions League. Again. <laughs> again. Barcelona Sick again. Sick of it. <laughs> Who'd have thought? Uh, yeah, I, look, I, I, like everything this season, I don't have high expectations. I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to the return leg already. Um, I just think, again, as long as we put in the effort um, which I think we are doing then we continue to to do that then we'll whatever the outcome we'll learn from learn from it and maybe we'll get a draw thoughts of formation Rob any, have you any ideas because it's listen who, who knew he'd play three at the back at the weekend of course difficult yeah, to predict I mean when really? you when you're facing the kinds of uh, superstars that Barcelona have got, then you need to be lucky as well as skillful. And you know, if they get anything out of the game, it'll be uh, wonderful. But what is so encouraging is that the Barcelona players are saying this is a different City team to last year. It's a better team. And uh, PK said they play like us. Well, there's no greater compliment. You know, there's huge respect. Uh, from Barcelona, but but City could still get a, a a tanning, and that wouldn't that wouldn't be the end of the world. You know, that's part of the development. I think it's nice going into the game knowing that we can't get knocked out of the Champions League this time because every time we seem to play them, it's in a knockout. <laughs> so it's really nice that you know, even if what, whatever happens happens and, and we lose, even if we lose over both games, I'd still back us to to get through the group. Um, but yeah, it's it's great hearing those compliments from from Barcelona players, but it, it means nothing. I think we need to really treat it as, as, a, as a proper, almost like rehearsal for the later stages and, and, and prove that we can play against these teams because we've sort of fallen short every year against the big the big teams. I think last season was the most disappointing against Madrid when really we should have we should have taken the game to them. Um, so it's important that we don't treat this as kind of oh, it's a bit of a weird one because it's Guardiola versus Barca and it's um, we're still kind of on the way. I think we've got to go, go for it, basically. Uh, and will a draw be a good result? I think a draw, a draw, yeah, their place would be a fantastic We'll be dancing result. in the streets if they get a draw. Yeah, yeah, yeah brilliant result. Good result. Uh, but are we all saying that 
we're, we're not sure we will get a draw then. Is that, is that our view? Well, I think we'll get hammered. But. If you're playing Suarez, <laughs> Neymar and Messi, then any team is going to struggle to get something out of the game. But City have got their own firepower and they've got to be able to find a way of using it. I think we'll concede a few. It's a case of whether we can score more than them. Or score the same amount of them, but I think we might score two. Is that, is that how it works? Then? That, so it's game you, I know you've been away for a while, but I'm and, really pleased uh, you've put, put that straight for so us. If we score more than them, we get three points. <laughs> is that right? Yeah. No, I think um, yeah, I think they will probably score two. So if we can have it in us on the in, on the night, like we've got the ability, uh, but if we have it, I'd, it's another question. Yeah, sure. Let's just sort of fast forward to the weekend as well. Sort of skip over that, and I think it's Southampton at the weekend. Um, so let's say. And, and, and forgive me, let's say we don't manage to win at Barcelona. That's kind of, that'll be four games without a win. The, the, the pressure's building a wee bit, isn't it, I think, in terms of, you know, Southampton. Uh, and we, we really need to get a result there. And, uh, yeah, and they've, they've had a lot of clean sheets at the start of the season. They're looking quite solid. Um, another good win for them on the weekend. So, yeah, they're not going to be pushovers, but it's got that feel of it. If we do lose in the week, it might be a bit of retribution for the team playing us on the weekend, which is often the case. So, um, obviously you're going into that game, you're very confident that we're going to win at home. Um, and Southampton are still a bit of a, another team that are a little bit working out things out with a new manager and some new players. So yeah, you, very confident. We don't have too many injury worries at this stage to worry about as well. I know Rob doesn't make predictions, so I'll come to you, Lisa, first in terms of Southampton. I'm not asking for a prediction, but your thoughts uh, ahead of that game. Clearly, we, we don't yet know the Barcelona result, but thoughts ahead of the Southampton game of the weekend? I think we should go into that confident that we should and can win it. Um, again, nothing is guaranteed, but regardless of what happens midweek, it is almost irrelevant. We're at home. Southampton are decent, but they are beatable, and we we shouldn't. I mean, I'm not saying we're going to thrash them, but we should win that game. Especially considering we're off the back of, you know, a poor run in the league. Um, so Pep will know it's it's a must-win game because the more points we drop at this stage of the season against these teams, that is when Tottenham will creep a few points ahead and Arsenal, and and then you start to. It, it goes out of sight. So. It's gone from not a crisis, Rob, to a must-win game. <laughs> I don't think it's a must-win well, game Well, Lee does. Lee no. does. Must-win game, respect, he just said that. I respect Lee's uh, point of view. I, I need to remind you, you weren't here, but the, the last time we had this discussion about making predictions, and I refused to make one about the Spurs game, everyone round the table said it would be easy for City to beat Spurs, and that was just silly. And again, it will be difficult. Charlie Austin is, is scoring goals, and like Lukaku, who, who's also in form, he will be difficult to stop. Uh, so City will have to be at the races in order to get anything out of the game. But, you know, to say uh, it's a crisis is just nonsense. They've got 19 points, uh, and I hadn't imagined they would be uh, in the top four at this stage of the development of Guardiola because of how dramatic the changes have been. The expectations of certain fans is is bewildering at times in the sense that they just literally think that you get a manager in like Guardiola and it just goes overnight and, and you, you win every game. You well, win, we did. You win, That's you what win, it was like. You win the quad. <laughs> uh, and, and, then that, it and, it's, and it's a fairy tale. Like it, no, but it is, it is ridiculous. It is like the, the, way that, the way certain fans are treating results, draws or close defeats against teams who nearly won the league last year, a.k.a. Spurs. Like, you've got to treat teams with a bit more respect. Yeah. You know, he's, he's, a, he's a very good manager, but he's not a miracle worker. I find it astonishing that people thought we would easily beat Spurs. I was fully expecting us to lose. 
So, yeah, I, it's, it's crazy to think that we would be that good so quickly. Well, remember we're recording this uh, podcast uh, with Man City on top of the Premier League, playing Barcelona in Europe this year, with Pep Guardiola as our manager. You know, where, where did it all go wrong, eh? Can we speak about pride in battle? We can. In I was going li- to... Indeed. So, so with that in mind, I think we, we, I threw it out there as a, as a question. I told people who was on the show, the ever-popular Lisa Rabinowitz, you know, Rob Barron, CTID, and the great Lee Warner back again telling us how football works and about mm-hmm. scoring goals if you score more than them and all that, which is eternally yeah, it great. It needs for, to be said, because sometimes on this podcast, I'm not sure everyone no, knows. No, indeed. So we're grateful for that. But we did actually, uh, somebody came in w- with a bit of a question they want discussed. So let's, let's finish on that very important question, Rob. Well, it was a really good question, which is what's happened to pride in battle, superbia in prolia? Uh, and the answer is the slogan has gone, but the pride in battle is greater than it ever was when the slogan <laughs> was there. And we should remember that the badge that was created was only created in 1997. So it's comparatively new. Not many people liked it. And it's been replaced by consulting the fans about what they wanted. And what they wanted was the Red Rose, they wanted the Rivers, and they wanted uh, the Manchester Ship Canal. And they've got all of that. They've gone back to a tradition. And I think... uh, uh, all our listeners should be thrilled that Pride in Battle is there, even if it's not uh, on the on the badge. I, th- I think it's still in the tunnel, unless they've taken it off, because it used to be mm. above above the tunnel as the players walked out Pride in Battle. So, if it's still there, then it's still there. And if it's not, as Rob says, we're certainly it playing that matter. way. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Uh, well, thank you very much to my guests, uh, Rob Barron, CTID, Lisa Rabinowitz and Lee Warner. This is Nigel Rothband saying thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you all very soon. If you like this podcast, come and join me, Mark Webster, for the Whistleblowers, a weekly show that looks at the topics that all football fans are discussing this week at thewhistleblowers.net. And it happens to be brought to you by the same lot that produced this one. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.